there's a church in Arizona. Yeah, church in Arizona. They use Hannah and her prayer in child dedication. And they are totally wrong to be doing that. Because this is a prayer. Hannah's prayer was a prayer for God for service. It wasn't just for God's blessing. And, and we've seen the same thing one time a, a pastor at another church. He had two or three, I forget what it was, teenage Russian girls. And when he was baptizing them, the words he used was also a dedication to God's service. And he never asked them if they were planning to serve God or not. He just did that on his, his own. And as a pastor, he could have that kind of authority. We're talking about a father can have it, a pastor can have it, a priest can have it. Different people in authority can make a, a statement over us and give us over into it, a kind of work without our uh, willingness to do it even or without our agreement, without us talking about it. They just do it. And for some reason, God accepts that. Uh, a good, shall we say, a lesson here is that if we are in a position where we have a kind of authority over somebody, we sure had better watch our words that we're using when we make pronouncements over people. This includes uh, in a positive way or in a negative way. When we've given this uh, talk, it's amazing how many parents have suddenly realized the same they say to their children. They just should not be said because of statements of judgment or their words of power or their promises or putting the child on the spot. And we don't want to do that. Uh, going back to these dedications, not only may that person never have said, I want to serve God, but maybe God never said, I want you to serve me. So these people are making huge presumptions, putting huge burdens on somebody, and God didn't even, since he didn't ask it, he didn't equip them to do it. And this is this is a sign of when do we know if God's really behind the vow is when you've heard of it, and years later, the person under it is not satisfied and fulfilled and only a failure and unhappy, then I'm sorry, they're under an unwise vow that God did not direct. Because God is not going to sit there and direct someone to make a statement of uh, service, for instance, over someone in your life, uh, only to have them fail. That's not God. If he has you, if he appoints you to do a job, it's because he wants you to succeed uh, most of the time. I, I think of the prophet, I think it was Ezekiel. <laughs> God says, go to this people and you tell them what my, you know, my message to this people. But they're not going to listen to you. <laughs> so great, you know. Success right at the very beginning, you know. <laughs> but he makes this important statement. But they will know they've had a prophet among them. See, they, they, they will know just they've had a witness. You will have made them responsible. So he wasn't a failure. He made them responsible. But he got no satisfaction out of it whatsoever. You know, that's the problem. So again, uh, we're talking about various people. In this case, it happens to do with hierarchy here. And again, America, more and more, we're getting to where we do not like hierarchy. We don't want people to tell us what to do. If, if we're in charge, it's different, but not to have anybody over us. And so uh, authority, people in positions are, are either suspect or not trusted, and sometimes rightfully so. But besides that, Throughout life, there is going to be hierarchies. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be hierarchies also. You can't read the Revelation without seeing this back that there is. And even today in the angelic realm, again, if we talk in the occult, there are hierarchies. There's angels over, over uh, territories and peoples. There's uh, fears over just families, people who are spirits who are over just an individual. 
and you have these different levels, and some of them have their own bosses, shall we say. So uh, we start with a man. This is Numbers 32, 30, verse 2. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to oblige himself by an oath, when he puts himself under obligation, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. So John or Dan, what have you, they make a vow. They're as adult, as adult males. Uh, they're required to fulfill it. But keep in mind, again, every time we say that, there's always an out. Again, through Jesus Christ, when we do something stupid, we always get released from it. But when we do something stupid like this or unwise, it's not just unwise, it's a sin. Because we're doing something on our own without asking God's guidance, and it's something that has, shall we say, long-term consequences in our lives or the lives of other people. So it does have that quality of, of sin and pain when defeated. It's just not just wise and foolish. Because sometimes wise and foolish is not necessarily sinful. That's the difference. There's a question back here. What's the difference between an oath, a vow, and a promise? Let me continue, and I'll okay. answer that some other time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shirt that say we'll talk about that later. <laughs> First of all, we got to get the, to get the framework okay. together, all right? And uh, right now, vow is, is, if anything, it's the strongest kind of a word of power you can make is a vow. And it's normally made to God, not necessarily always, but it's, it's so earth-shaking that you put basically your soul at risk in making it. So it can be done in anger, it can be in, in distress, but it's made uh, before God, witness or not, but as far as the way it's presented, before God. Now, then... Uh, Again, we had this situation we said earlier, another, another situation that uh, David promised to go to, to Africa, the missionary, later became a pastor in a, in a city church. He's still obliged to fulfill his vow or seek release and forgiveness. And there's a difference between being a pastor and being a missionary. There is a difference. And you'd be surprised how many pastors today are pastors because they had God's hand on them to go somewhere else, and they were so scared they ended up going to Safeway. And I don't mean that pastors miss it a safe job, but as far as they were concerned, it was a safe job versus a not safe job. And so they stayed home in a safe environment rather than go where God wanted them. And that's a poor way to be serving as a pastor. You need to do it as a pastor because he's called you into it. There's joy, satisfaction, the giftings, what have you. Uh, Connie and I, I think we would have, I don't think I would have been a bad pastor, but uh, I do have a special gifting for working overseas and working in difficult situations, working without a lot of direction. In fact, I can work without any direction. And it's just one of my qualities that makes me a good missionary. And I still would have been a good pastor. But there aren't, there aren't that many like us who can function in another culture and, and actually enjoy it. <laughs> Where there's a lot of people who can stay here and be a pastor or in Christian service in the States. So so when God calls people to work overseas and other cultures, uh, they need to answer because there's not that many available to do it. And again, I've seen this. I still remember a girl who, uh, she, I gave my testimony when I was 16. I accepted the Lord, came back and told my pastor that I had become a, a Christian pastor. The point is, I attended Sunday school <clears throat> But I, he went to the one guy I knew, you know, and went to the pastor I met for the first time. But he then had me share in a, in a in youth group. And at that time, I didn't know better that you got to be scared, you know, sharing with a group of anybody. So I did. 
And it was from the heart. I was a new Christian. And there was one girl out of that who dedicated her life to, to missionary service. And uh, a few years later, I saw her in Redondo Beach at a grocery store, and she was just housewife. And I don't mean that housewives are to be downplayed, but that wasn't what God intended for her. A housewife may be in Africa, but not a housewife. Is she, does she have a life of satisfaction and fulfillment? I don't think so. Unless, unless she went to God and asked God to release her from that vow that she had made. And if he had released her, then she'd be happy to have the life she has today. If she hasn't, then she's spent her whole life with this uh, unfulfilled burden on her on her shoulders that she's been living with. And it's not just words. It mm-hmm. makes a difference. 